You can turn with me to Revelation, the uh, 21st chapter. I'm going to look at just a few verses here. <coughs> Revelation 21 and beginning at verse 5. <coughs> And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life. He that overcometh shall inherit all things and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. What uh, I especially wanted us to notice here, amid these wonderful promises, that he that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God. There are many warnings in Scripture uh, Hebrews 4, verse 1, Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. There's a promise. There's a, there's a possibility of coming short of it. And in the 11th verse of that chapter, let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief, referring to the children of Israel and what happened to many thousands of them in the 40 years in the wilderness. Let us labor. Let us fear. Let us overcome. <clears throat> And that indicates to us that there, is, that there is resistance. There is something that must be, that must be overcome, that, that takes power, that takes some effort on our part, lest, for otherwise the warnings wouldn't be given to us. You know, a couple of weeks ago, uh, on a Sunday night, I was asked to uh, talk about... Um, my VS service and how that how I came to uh, to go into VS service, and I was in Northwestern Ontario, and it, it just made me uh, sort of brought back memories, and I was thinking about people and the country and different things, and I enjoyed my years there. Uh, one thing that is a, a real common feature in, in northwestern Ontario is water. Lakes and rivers and lakes and rivers, many, many of them. You could travel for hundreds and hundreds of miles on the water. And there's a, I enjoyed uh, canoeing. There's a special challenge and satisfaction with paddling a canoe against the current or against the wind and making progress and checking the shoreline and see am I moving 
and getting somewhere? Am I staying on course? And um, uh, last year, one time, I took Martha out in a canoe and it was a little windy and it didn't go like it did uh, several decades ago and uh, didn't go very, very long and uh, I was getting worn out. But it takes effort, it takes power to, to paddle against the current. Without effort, you drift. You're swept away by the current, and the current decides where you go. And in those rivers, uh, there were rapids here and there. Um, one rapids that I didn't visit often, but uh, was at a couple of times, was in the Barrens River, which was a wide river that actually flowed through some lakes into some lakes and out the other end and eventually ended up in Lake Winnipeg in Manitoba. But the current is slow um, most of the time and peaceful, but there was, a, there was a rapids at the end of Stout Lake, which was some miles away from Popper Hill where I was at. And the lake, uh, there were a number of out of uh, little uh, side... Uh, uh, bays and so on, but there was one end of the lake where it slowly narrowed and came to a, a chute, and there were rapids there. And you know, you're going slowly and peacefully along, and there's very little current, noticeable current. But as a person gets closer to the uh, to the rapids, the current picks up. It picks up speed and then it rapidly strengthens and then rushes into the throat of the rapid and the water leaps and roars and spray flying everywhere and foam against the rocks and it's maybe 150 yards long. And any boat or canoe pulled into that would surely be smashed up and uh, destroyed. Well, it makes a good analogy of the Christian life. We don't drift into heaven. Spiritual progress means there needs to be some aggressiveness. There needs to be some effort, some decision. There needs to be devotion to a cause. There needs to be action. There has to be power more than what we can provide ourselves for we're going against the current. And to relax, to slacken our effort, to quit means to drift. And to drift means to be taken into the direction that the current is going. And to be taken means, can mean becoming entangled. The entanglement, you know, at some point, uh, as fiercely as a person would paddle, he can't overcome the current. And once he's in, at that point, he's, he's at a, in a bondage from which he cannot return. It's a result of being too taken by the current and too far from safety, and the end is destruction. We, uh, 
in our Sunday school's lessons, and today it was referred to again, the prophets speaking to the nations and warning them against sin and against destruction that would come unless they would repent. One example is from Zephaniah, a few verses uh, in chapter 1, beginning at verse 14. The great day of the Lord is near. It is near and hasteth greatly. Even the voice of the day of the Lord, the mighty man shall cry there bitterly. That day is a day of wrath, a day of trouble and distress, a day of wasteness and desolation, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of trumpet and alarm against the fenced cities and against the high towers. And I will bring distress upon men that they shall walk like blind men because they have sinned against the Lord and their blood shall be poured out as dust and their flesh as the dung. Neither Neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them in the day of the Lord's wrath, but the whole land shall be delivered, be devoured by the fire of his jealousy, for he shall make even a speedy riddance of all them that dwell in the land. This destruction was prophesied against apostate Judah. And it's describing uh, their, and and we can see that uh, in their recorded history, the destruction that came on them. And they drifted. They had drifted. They stopped worshiping God. They stopped making offerings to God. They stopped obeying commandments and they drifted as a nation it happens with individuals Luke or rather Paul wrote about Demas who uh, was once listed as a fellow laborer but in 2nd Timothy Demas has forsaken me having loved this present world and departed unto Thessalonica. He drifted. And history like that is repeated and repeated and repeated. We no doubt, all of us, most of us, know people close to us that have drifted. Now it is true. It is true. It is an encouraging truth that while there's life, there's hope. But the further one drifts and the greater the entanglement, the deeper the bondage, the less likely a return. Not that there's no way back. The way is there, but so often the choosing just doesn't happen. We should never give up. I believe in prayer for the wayward. Uh, if you saw Christian Light's um, last news release, one of the latest books that came out, Weeping for Abigail, and that's a true story about a, a lady who, uh, a girl, as a girl or a youth, she left Christianity, left her family, 
and lived a sinful life for years and years and years. I think it was 20-some years that she was gone. And her parents and family and church were praying for her. And she came back. She has a radiant testimony today. The prayers of God's people are effectual, James tells us. And God can speak through testimonies and circumstances. He doesn't take away their power to choose. So I do encourage us, even as we think of people we're concerned for, keep praying fervently. So while there's life, there's hope. And it's also true that the promises of God are great and sure. And they are promises of protection for us, of strength, of power and eternal life. Paul said, I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. So there's wonderful promises that we can rest upon, be supported by and held and lifted by. Not to rest in the sense that God will do it, and that I um, just can float. Like I'll stay in bed and dad will do the chores. Not that kind of resting. Faith and trust is, is not about laziness and carelessness. The, um, the, the message this morning is about the danger of drifting. And speaking to some of the some ways to overcome the current. But it's it's a danger for all of us. It's not just a danger for the youth. It's a danger for old people. It's a danger for any any Christian. The danger of drifting. And I'd like to look at some of the currents the forces that can carry careless souls away for a few minutes. And some of these may be closer to you than others, but they, they, are, they are real currents. And the first one that I want to think about is the pull of evil tendencies. And the one that I'll refer to is sexual sin. But there is, a, there is a, a nature within us, an evil tendency that we're to, as Christians, crucify. And that is um, sexual sin and appetites. And we're in a society that is obsessed with it. That's no secret. Very tolerant of wickedness. Many, many strong temptations and just open out there. Uh, I, was, I read an article several weeks ago. I don't know how I came across it, but it was uh, about the, uh, what the, was the term they used? It was, it was uh, written in England and about a street in London, uh, especially this one street, as I recall, that there were a lot of vendors along the streets and they might be selling um, 
uh, coloring books and children's activities on one shelf and right beside it, pornography, just laying right out there open for anyone to see and billboards and shop windows filled with, uh, with uh, evil. And they, they talked about the uh, pornization of, of the city. But just everything out there where even children are, are exposed to it. But one, one uh, good example given in the scripture of how this works is in Proverbs 7, if you want to turn there. I'll read a few verses and make a few comments in thinking about currents. Proverbs 7, <clears throat> it addresses especially uh, men, describes about a, a simple describes a simpleton and his fall, but it could be for, uh, it certainly would apply to sisters as well, women. Beginning at verse 6, the proverb writer is looking from his window. At the window of my house, I looked through my casement and beheld among the simple ones, I discerned among the youths a young man void of understanding passing through the street near her corner. And he went the way to her house in the twilight, in the evening, in the black and dark night. And behold, there met him a woman with the attire of an harlot and subtle of heart. We'll pause there. <clears throat> he was void of understanding. He, he was not brain damaged. He was unwise. He was unwise. He was foolish, a fool. And in the next verse, it describes him passing through the street near her corner. And maybe at this point, it is an, an easy current. It's still not a strong current. But his thoughts went near her corner. Lustful thoughts, maybe some filthy magazines, some bad pictures, some sinful reading, wrong music, impure behavior. You know, he's on the way to her house and the current is growing stronger. And then he meets her, the woman the, uh, with the attire of a harlot and how far he has come from private thoughts and behavior here he's approaching a direct encounter and he's approaching the rapids. It's getting very close. And then the next verses portray her seduction of this young man. And we'll pick up again at verse 21. With her much fair speech, she caused him to yield. With the flattering of her lips, she forced him. He goeth after her straightway as an ox goeth to the slaughter or as a fool to the correction of the stocks, till a dart strike through his liver, as a bird hasteth to the snare, and knoweth not that it is for his life. He was going in this direction. This was the direction that he was allowing, that he was, this was the direction he was choosing, and as he fed, its hold on him strengthened and the current strengthened. 
Probably at one time he would never have intended to be here where he ended up. He was into the throat of the rapids. And at this point he was simple-minded, single-minded, devoid of wisdom. There was no resistance on his part anymore. And he didn't know. He, he was blinded to the fact that it was for his life. And he was destroyed. And this, uh, this description of, of his fall into immorality illustrates well the effect of evil in a person's life. Though there is a strong outside influence, there was this lady, there was the street and her house and all of that. There is, besides that, there was a strong tendency, there was a tendency on his part and a yielding to the current. So he was carried by it. It became a pattern. He became a slave. And all the while, the current is strengthening and his soul was swept away. But it could be other evil tendencies that people have. Rebellion. You know, beginning as a resistance, uh, a stiffening against yielding to authority, just growing more stubborn than outright disobedient, than openly rebellious. Or pride can grow, or idolatry, or bitterness. We're to look diligently, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble us. Wrong music, evil music, the list could go on and on. The current of evil tendencies beginning slowly, but as we allow ourselves to drift with it, it can strengthen and can carry one away. Harboring evil gives Satan a hold and feeding evil gives it more room and more power. So that is one uh, awful current that has taken many a soul to, to hell. You need to be aware of it. Another one is the pressure of peers. Everyone else is doing it. You know, there is a godly encouragement with being with Christians who are serious disciples. But when we're with careless people or evil people, when we're standing in the uh, way of sinners and listening to the counsel of the ungodly as the psalmist talks about. There's pressure. Pressure in fashions, in language, in activities. And it takes some strength to stand against it because there's a desire to fit, to belong. And there's a tendency to uh, compare ourselves with other people and are we approved by them? Uh, there's this sad 
a couple of verses in John that talks about the chief rulers, some of the chief rulers that um, actually believed who Jesus was. They actually believed on Jesus, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. So, peer pressure for them, a very bad thing. That's a current that can sweep people away. Another is the tug of distractions. These can be sleepy currents slow and easy, but they can distract us from progress toward what we could be or from where we could get to. Here are a few of those kinds of currents. Just being busy. So many things to do. You know, the pace of life the rush and the dash and the mad frenzy to keep up with everything, the job, the housework, the social activities, the meetings, the schedule, the deadlines. Those things sound familiar to me. Those things are a part of many of our lives. But what can happen is, and the caution is, that the urgent can crowd out the necessary. The urgent can crowd out the most important. Like Martha and Mary. Martha that we read about, these two sisters that Jesus loved. And she was, Martha was distressed in her kitchen. And Jesus said to her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. But one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. This busyness, the cares of this world. Jesus talked about that as um, in his parable of the soils, and that was um, one of the problems, one of the hurdles that made it difficult for a plant to flourish and grow and bear fruit. Worries and anxieties over things that the world says are important. How you look, how much you own, what and what kind of thing you have, the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. Or it can be diversions and other distraction, music, Games, exercise, sports, reading, hobbies, activities, maybe completely innocent activities. In the right place, in the right proportion, they can be good and healthy for us, but they can get out of balance. They can become time absorbers that limit our times with God because only because there's not enough left. And time absorbers can become obsessions. I'm sorry, preoccupations. And when we become preoccupied with something, it can replace our thoughts of God. We think about this 
first. And we think about that more often than we do about God. And it affects our walk with God. Instead of walking with God, we may be walking with something else. And then preoccupations can become obsessions that take the place of God, which is idolatry. Diversions have their place, recreational things, but we must keep them in balance and in the proper place or they can be a current that, that can move us in a wrong direction or keep us from making good progress <coughs> toward a destination. Then another current is the tug of inertia, just the, the resistance of the flesh and the mind to work. Laziness, lack of discipline, devotions, prayer, wandering attention, looking for little amusements around us instead of concentrating, a lack of interest, a lack of effort. One of the Proverbs says, a slothful man hideth his hand in his bosom and will not so much as bring it to his mouth again. That's pretty, pretty lazy. That he wouldn't even, he's too lazy to feed himself. Takes a little work to go after the groceries, to fix a meal, to put it on his plate, even here to lift it to his mouth. Well, sometimes Christians can get pretty lazy. Complacency, just satisfied with things as they are, is inertia. Instead of singing, all is well with my soul, all is well enough. A sign of good health, good spiritual health, is an appetite for more. Those are some of the currents that, that we face in our Christian life that, we, that takes effort. It takes decision. It takes the grace of God to, to go against that current. Spiritual progress means decision and devotion and action and power to deal with forces that drag against us, to go against the current. Several, several things that are important, I think, in going against the current. One is <clears throat> daily commitment. Yes, we, it's a commitment. It, we, we must make a commitment to become a Christian. It takes daily commitment to live like a Christian. A daily decision against the current. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies. That's something we need to do often, maybe multiple times in one day. I present my body a living sacrifice. And then it requires daily feeding, daily discipline against the current. It's not enough to not feed on evil things. We must feed on life. 
we need contact and fellowship with God the Father and His Son, our Savior Christ. And as that grows, I believe our joy can grow and the power and the victory. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Peter said, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. We need that to grow the word. So there's daily commitment and daily feeding and daily obedience. That's a life of faith. Faith isn't just a mental position, but it does something. It results in action. It results in disciples following the Savior. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also to walk, even as he walked. The challenge is to bring every thought, which is where the battle begins, to bring every thought into obedience. That's where the battle begins. The simple man wasn't first defeated when he met the evil woman, but when he started toward her house. In his thoughts, he drifted. Every attitude measured by Christ, every action and activity to obedience to Christ. No room for evil, for spiritual sloth and distraction, but one purpose, one purpose, the glory of God, living to please Him. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringeth into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And we can believe that if every thought is in obedience to Christ, that our attitudes and actions will as well. Such a life is open to the power of God. Such a life strengthens as it is lived against the current. One of my early memories um, when I went to, uh, to Poplar Hill <clears throat> the first spring after seeing some months of snow and ice, it was kind of exciting to think of seeing water and land again. <clears throat> and uh, so breakup came, and where there was running water, uh, that melted first, so the rivers and streams thawed first, and the lakes stayed frozen for, for a while. But uh, the Barrens River had, was thawing in stretches. Uh, pretty, pretty much of it had thawed. 
And there was a, a couple of Indians, three Indians, that were coming up the Barrens River, and they came to the little rapids. They, had, they were coming back from trapping, coming back to Poplar Hill, the village of Poplar Hill. And it's a work to portage. So what they, had, what they had in mind to do was to come to the shore and put off some of their things on the boat to make it a little lighter and to let the lady off on the shore. And then the two of them were going to go back into the river and they had a motor on this canoe and they were going to come up through the rapids, which they had done this before. And it was commonly done. I went through that rapids numbers of times myself. It wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't one of those big plunging, rough rapids, but there was current, and you had to have power in order to get up through it. Well, the water was a little lower than usual, and as they were going through, they may have been to a little bit to the left or right of the center, and their boat motor hit a rock. And it sheared the pin. So though the boat, the motor had power, the prop wasn't turning. And they were most of the way up through, and suddenly they had no power. And, of course, the current swept them back. And there was a, a dip where the water went down and then up again. And they were through that crosswise, and it dumped them over and into the river. And the water was frigid. And they drowned. And the lady was left on the shore. Somebody coming along later rescued her and brought her in. And they called the Ontario Provincial Police who came out in an airplane and asked a couple of fellows there from Poplar Hill, some of our staff, to take them out to this river. And they were going to look for the bodies and uh, they were going to drag, they, they made hooks to drag the bottom to try to find these men. And <clears throat> they went out there, I think there were three staff and two uh, police. And it was cold and they had coats. And this was very interesting. There were no, no life preservers in that boat. And uh, the police should have insisted on that from the start, being that was the law. But somehow they overlooked that. And so they were dragging for these bodies for a while with no success. In fact, they didn't come up for weeks. And then they were going to come back home. And would you believe, coming up through the rapids, they had a powerful motor. Coming up through the rapids, they hit a rock, and sheared the pin on the, on the boat motor, and they had no power. And back they went through, the, uh, through the, that dip, and it pitched the boat up on its side. One of the police flew out into the water, and a bunch of water came in, and they had a, uh, and, the, and the current, the water below the, below the, uh, the, the, the rapids was very deep. It was like 60 or 70 feet. Where above the rapids, it was more shallow. But the current was swirling and it took the policemen away from the boat. 
And so they, they had the oars were trying to paddle and there was the water in there. One of the guys ripped off the, uh, uh, the lid of a can of fuel and just pitched five gallons of fuel into the river and started bailing for all it was worth. And they barely got to that man, that policeman, and pulled him out. He couldn't help himself at all. His big, heavy parka was all waterlogged. He very nearly was gone. He had gone down a couple times. And he was one man I remember hearing him talk after he came back to the mission, to the school, that he saw his whole life flash through before his eyes. When you hear that, he said it really did. But... You know, trying to go through life without power, you will not, you will not make it. We need the power of God. Enter, enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. The narrow way is against the current. The wide way is downstream with the current, gaining speed, gaining strength, and finally into the rapids and destruction. You know, Hitler, Hugh Hefner, that porn pornography publisher, uh, the Rolling Stones, rock stars, and there are many of them. Those kind of people have had powerful influences on society. But, you know, they were at the forefront of people going in the direction that they wanted to go. They got mass followings. People following their natural bent. But Jesus came to turn people around and to turn us and set us in a new direction against this sinful current and current away from God and to lead us against the current and to give us power to go against this current. Let us therefore fear, lest the promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should come short of it. Let us labor therefore to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. And the, and the picture there is kind of, is one of a current and like a, a life preserver that is within our reach. Hang on to it. Don't let it go lest it would drift away and we lose it and be swept away. He that overcometh shall inherit all things and I will be his God and he shall be my son. Shall we have a closing song? <clears throat>